Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode for this podcast. Um, Wednesday was today. August, geez, I'm, the days are going by that I don't even know what day in August it is. Um, August third for today's episode, we're going to do. Um, get we'll get into a few things today. Um, a trade proposal that I think would potentially work for both these teams. It was something that me and my buddy were spitballing about, and I think it would be um cool to talk about this on the podcast and you know give your give get your feedback. The listeners, of course, on I think it would also come close to solving the um, the Penguins' cap problems. Um, just because they were they if they this were to happen, they would shave some off the cap. They would probably just have to do a, a send down to Wilkesbury one or two players, and then boom. Um, they would be um, under the cap. At that point, we're also going to dive into Mike Sullivan's season review, why I still think he is um, the coach for this team in the present in the future, and we're going to get into a discussion about the penalty kill and why it, it needs to be better next year. It was good this year, um, but you know what it needs to do to be great next year. So that's all coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes, remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Also follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. Outside of today and Friday's episodes, um, this will be the last time. You, if for those on YouTube, will see me um, from this view on the Outer Banks. I will be back to your regular scheduled uh, beautiful view from my PC. And you can see all of the, uh, the artwork um, in the back. And all that, but you know, let's start off today's episode with um, something a bit fun. So, was spitballing this trade with um, my buddy. It would help the Penguins get a decent forward. Um, it would also help this other team get a defenseman because um, this team has been wanting has been, I think, wanting to get a defenseman for a while. And I think I think both uh, both teams potentially get what they want in this trade. And um, what I'm suggesting here, you know, it's a dream. It would be a dream for the Penguins. Maybe it's not as much a dream for the Canucks. Well, I, I gave it away. Well, I, I gave that away. Um, so, what I would be suggesting is sending Sam Poulin and P.O. Joseph. And again, I know I talked about last night how he would be on the top pairing if Brian Dumoulin were to be traded. But again, I don't think Dumoulin is going to get traded. I think they want him to have a bounce back year. So, in this situation, I would be trading P.O.J. and Sam Poulin to the Vancouver Canucks for Niels Huglander. Um, he is. He makes, I think, below, just making sure I have this right. Yep, 891K this year. A player who, you know, back to back years, he's basically been um, at double digit goals. He's only been um, in the NHL uh, for two years, which is just absolutely crazy. You know, he's 21 years old, very young and up and coming player, would instantly make the Penguins, um, you know, a bit younger <laughs> forward wise. You know, this would actually be. Um, a step in the right direction instead of just getting older everywhere. You know, his 2020-21 season played in all 56 games, 13 goals, 27 points, so about half a point per game. And this past year, 60 game 60 games played, 10 goals, 18 points 
in the 60 games. So back-to-back seasons of double digits for Huglander. And, you know, he's been talked about, I think, you know, in quite a few trade rumors, I think, this offseason. I know the Canucks have been wanting to upgrade their defense. Remember, um, I think Jim Rutherford's regime, regime, you know, was a lot higher on POJ than this one is. And I know the Penguins just signed him to a a one-way deal. But, you know, I'm still not sure he's going to be in the lineup on an every-night basis. And I think he may make the team, but I think he's just going to be in the press box every night. And at that point, you know, it's almost like, um, geez, it's almost like, you know, what are we doing here? Um, basically, but, you know, in this situation, the Penguins, they get a young, cost-controlled forward who has the potential to put up better numbers on a better team. And then the Canucks, you know, they get a player in POJ who I think Rutherford likes a lot more than Hextall. Remember, he traded for him in the Phil Castle trade when the Penguins also got Alex Galchenyuk. And whew, that was a very bad time, to say the least. And then Poulin, I think Rutherford, you know, he, he um, I believe he picked him as well. So, you know, two players that he's very familiar with, two players that Patrick Alvin is very familiar with. You know, he was the assistant general manager when Rutherford was making those moves. Um, so I think, you know, it, it would be a, a typical Rutherford move in that sense. And I think this would, you know, just have all both fan bases just come together and celebrate it because, you know, these two teams, they've been rumored to potentially making a trade for the last several months now. It, it's just, it, it was so funny early on in the offseason, everyone, and before the trade deadline, everyone's talking about, well, you know, JT Miller for, you know, John Marino or, you know, Connor Garland or something like that. And both fan bases, they, it's just, they want to make a trade with each other so freaking bad. And this one, again, I do think it makes sense for both uh, both teams. Huglander's numbers, his underlines this year were very strong. He played 712 minutes um, in the 60 games. When he was on the ice, the Canucks had 53% of the shot attempts, um, right about 50-50 in terms of actual uh, goals for. Um, um, scoring chances, about 50, 52% expected goals. Um, uh, right about, let me see if I got this right. Yeah, 51% in terms of that as well. High danger, 51% of those. So his underlying's very good on a not-so-good team. The Canucks, they were not close to making the play. Well, I shouldn't say they were not. Well, they were not close for a while. Bruce Boudreaux came in. They started playing a lot, a much better hockey. Um, close to within five or six points at some times. But, you know, they just, they weren't able to just make up all the ground. They, you know, I think they have the potential to be a playoff team next year. Well, I don't know if I said about that. You know, it's going to be closer. I think Boudreaux is one of the better coaches in the league. He's going to have them ready to go. I just don't know what the roster they have constructed right now um, that that is a playoff team. But in terms of the Penguins, you know, where, where he fits, slot him on the third line or something like that. You know, if if you if you're top nine now, if you make this trade and then your defense is set, if your top nine is Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, Brian Rust, Jason Zucker, Evgeny Mal- um Jason Zucker, Evgeny Malkin, Ricard Raquel, and then Niels Huglander, Jeff Carter, and Al well I, I guess Kasperi Kapanen on your third line, you know, that that's that, that's possible, you know, especially if Kapanen is able to bounce back, if Carter's able to score close to 20 again next year, if he's able to play like the first half version that we saw off Jeff and not the second half version when he was just total crap. And then your fourth line at that point, you know, Brock McGinn, Teddy Bluger, and then, you know, Denton Heinen, 
something like that. You know, I, I would honestly just have a third line thinking about it. You know, Heinen, Hoglander, and Carter, and then you, know, you can move Kapanen down even to play with Jeff uh, to play with Teddy Bluger and Brock McGinn, and all of a sudden your forward depth looks pretty good there. You know, I, I would honestly say that um, it might be better than last year's. But we're very close. You know, I know Evan Rodriguez would be off this team in that situation, in that scenario. But you know, compared to where the four group was right after free agency, if they were to make this move, pretty pretty solid in my opinion. I think that's a four depth that the Penguins, you know, that they they can win a lot of games with that top twelve. And sure, sure, you know, you have injuries. Someone like Drew O'Connor is going to come in and play some games. Redeem Zahorna, Ryan Paling. You know, I think the Penguins are going to want to get a look at him too, since he was a first round pick. Again, don't know if there's much there with him, but you know, it doesn't hurt to I guess give him a shot. Um, and have him kind of be like in that Brian Boyle role. Um, I guess Drake Kajula obviously going to be there too. But that's a two-way deal, so he's not going to need waivers. The ground works for you. But again, you know, you're kind of at that point, 14, 15 forwards deep. So pretty, that's a pretty solid group. And, you know, the Penguins, it helps their salary cap situation. POJ actually makes more at the NHL level than Huglander does. And, you know, if you're still a little over the cap in that situation, send a couple people down. Voila. And again, you would have eight defensemen. You can go into the season with 13 forwards, eight defensemen, and um, two goaltenders. And also, you know, you would give the sh- you would give POJ um, a shot at you know maybe a, a top four role with Vancouver. I don't know when he's going to get that um, chance here with the Penguins, just because they, you know, they are so deep at D right now. And you know, players ahead of them: Brian Dumoulin, Chris Letang, Pedersen, Petrie. Jan Ruta is going to play every night. And then you have, you know, Mark Freeman, Chad Ruedel. Um, you know, it's just, there's, you know, Ty Smith, of course. Um, I'm almost blanked on his name there for some reason. That doesn't make any sense. But, you know, it's just, it, it's going to be, he's going to be up a creek, I think, to have a spot on an, on an every night basis. I think he, if he stays on the team, he'll play. But, you know, it might honestly be wise to just potentially move him in a deal to get a young, cost-controlled forward who, you know, if he has a good year, he's an RFA the next year, you can give him a little bit of money. You don't have to commit, like, long, long long-term to him, but you should be able to assign him to, I guess, a relatively short-term, decent AAV kind of deal. Because honestly, you know, their free agent situation next season for the Penguins, uh, I'm just going to look at Cap Friendly now um, for Pittsburgh. I don't really think um, it's that bad, just making sure... Um, you know, Zucker's the UFA, so that's 5.5 coming off. Teddy Bluger, Dan Heinen, Josh Archibald. Um, defensively, Brian Dumoulin comes off too, and then Tristan Jari is also UFA. So, you know, their situation next year um, is honestly, it's it's fine. So you, they'll, they'll have plenty of space to bring a lot back on Hoglander uh, if they did make this move. So I would be all in favor of it. Let me know what you all think in the comments on YouTube and you can send me a DM as well on social media. You know, would you think that's a good trade for the Penguins? And where, where, would, you, where would you see him? on on an every night basis um, for the team. Now, coming up in the second segment, we're going to get into Mike Sullivan's season review and why I still think he is the coach for this team moving forward. But before I get to that, BetOnline is your fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even Golf. You can head to bet online today, or you use your phone to learn more about the trends and about the action happening today. 
that is BetOnline where the game starts. All right, I'm back here in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You're going to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So <clears throat> let's get into this. So, you know, Mike Sullivan, you know, for some fans, I think lately, he's they've gone a bit sour on him. You know, I get, you know, I guess maybe a smidge about it just because, you know, they've lost in the first round now. What, yeah, four years in a row. At this point, you know, a lot of coaches don't usually survive that at the NHL level. You know, this is a job where, you know, there's always uh, firings and then rehirings, all this stuff. It's a very short-term job. Um, Mike Sullivan, you know, he's one of the longest tenured head coaches in the league outside of John Cooper. Um, he, he's second behind him at this point. Um, and I thought he did another fabulous job this past year. I mean, the fact that you know, the Penguins are that close to getting home ice from the New York Rangers – um, despite how many injuries and COVID-related uh, things um, that, that went on, you know, it's it's nothing short of a miracle, to be honest with you. you. know, Early on in the season, this team is without both of their centers. First game of the year, going into Tampa, game you never think the Penguins would win. Everyone's betting on the Lightning, and they go down there and absolutely dump on the former two-time defending champions. And it was just like, wow. You know, that's just the kind of game Mike Sullivan wins with his team. And, you know, you're in the playoffs, you're like, wow, you know, the Penguins don't have any shot of making this even a series against the Rangers. They're up three games to one, and they're speed bagging them through four games. It took a horrific, and I mean a horrific goalie performance from Louis Domingue to have the Penguins lose that series. I've seen people say that Sullivan's system doesn't work anymore. That couldn't be further from the truth. You know, sure, down the stretch, it faded a little bit. I think the team definitely looked a bit gas, but you know, they turned the switch in the playoffs. You know, this team, you know, they they have the ability to find that extra gear when needed. And, you know, I was definitely one of the people that was questioning it late down the stretch of the season. You know, I don't this is not good. You know, they look, they, they look cooked. Um, the vibes are not there. You know, I made myself look like a complete and utter dummy in the playoffs when the Penguins are just, you know, putting up shots left and right on Igor Shostorkin, badly ter- outplaying the Rangers territorially, you know, just underlying numbers, shot- shots on net, a- anything you wanted to look at, even just watching the games eye test-wise, they were by far and away the better team. They were, you know, less than seven minutes away from winning that series in seven games before, you know, we all know what happened with that one. Heck, they were 26 minutes away from winning the series in five games. That That, that series was over. Um, I'll still die on this hill if Sidney Crosby does not get um, cheap shotted by Jacob Truba. But, you know, his system, it's a very delicate one, I think, to play. You know, if if the whole team is not showing up, um, you know, they're going to get blown out pretty easily. You know, it's a system that you have to go 0 to 100 for very fast just because of how much is required of you, you know, getting the puck out of your zone, you know, forechecking aggressively in the offensive zone, low to high, um, and all that stuff. You know, it's it's really, you know, dependent on the team, you know, winning these puck battles, you know, in the corner, you know, cycling in the offensive zone, getting it up to the point, setting up some shots in the slot, and then, you know, it's it really just going to work and just peppering um, and pestering the goaltenders. Um, and then defensively, you know, you know, that's just he he usually want, he wants his team to you know go from defense to offense very quickly you know i mean no team likes to spend a lot of time 
in their defensive zone. But you know, especially with for Sullivan, you know, he he always stresses, you know, when you know when you have the puck on your stick, you know, you're you're, you're looking to score, you're you're looking to, you know, make the right play with it. And I always love his saying, you know, you know, you know, we're at our best when we play the right way, um, and that's that's Penguins hockey right there. Um, I think, and again, the last couple of years, the, the team has lost due to things that are really out of his control. You know, he's not going to bring in, you know, the third string goaltender last year. What Maxime um, Legacy or, or what, however the heck. <laughs> I mean, the, the fact that I barely even remember him just because Casey DeSmith, um, you know, was hurt for that one. It's just nothing short of a miracle. Um, but you know, he can't control Jari just you know dumping all over himself. He can't control both Jari and DeSmith getting hurt this year and having to start Louis Domingue in the playoffs. But, you know, I thought he got the most out of the team again, especially when COVID was really hitting and their regulars out of the lineup on an every night basis. This team did not play a single game last year when fully healthy. I mean, that just goes to show um how great of a coach he is and how he can always get the most out of them no matter what. Um, I, I I do think though if they if they lose in the first round again, you know, at some point you know you're going to have to get results. That will be five straight years. Um, I I would kind of understand the moving on, even though I don't think you're going to find a better coach on the open market. But again, you know this is a results oriented business, and if you're not you know doing well with you know some of the best players league wide, you know you're not going to be a coach for much longer. And, and, you know, I think he's arguably the best head coach this franchise has ever had right up there with Badger Bob. I would put him as a 1A, 1B right there. And, you know, again, I, I'm expecting more big things from him. This year. I'm curious to see if he changes anything to his system tactic, tactically wise. You know, I, you know, I loved what they did to the Rangers in the playoffs. You know, they saw what was going wrong um, in the regular season games in the Penguins, they were able to take away some of those stretch passes. The Rangers were burning them on during the regular season games, um, just not letting them get to offense at all in a lot of those games. You know, he really went to the video room to clean some of that up. And, you know, that just it goes to show, you know, how well he is at adjusting to what another team has done to the Penguins. I, I think adjustment adjustment adjustments wise. Um, I would put him up there um, against any coach in the league. So I'm fine with the job he did this past year. The fact, again, the fact that you know they finished as high as they did in the standings, considering all the injuries they have, was a miracle. Yes, I'm sure the Penguins are going to have so many more injury problems this year. It's just a curse at this point. But um, I will say this: if he does not get results this year. They don't win at least a round in the playoffs. You know, I'm curious to see if Ron Hextall would, you know, pull the trigger and find his own head coach because you know obviously he didn't hire um Sullivan you know Rutherford was able to promote him when he was here um so that's going to be I think a big topic um of discussion when that time comes right now still very high on Mike he's a top five coach in the league um and I really enjoyed the job that he did with this team this year coming up in the final segment we're going to get into the penalty kill for next year and what I want to see you know more out of from that unit uh, next season. That's all, that's coming up right after this commercial break. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So, you know, yeah, this was something I was talking about 
with my buddies as well. And, you know, he made up a great point to me, you know, he just asked me a simple question, you know, why was the penalty kill so good last year? And, you know, I, I, I immediately went to, you know, Mike Bellucci making adjustments and, you know, sure he did, but, you know, a lot of the penalty kill success, people don't want like this answer. It came due to how good Tristan Jari was shorthanded. And I'm going to bring up, if I can bring up the numbers here, um, um, on Hockey Reference, I believe um, they do. He was one of the best goalies in the league when facing shots um, on the penalty kill. If I can find the advanced, yeah, metric here. Yeah, so shorthanded last year. Um, yeah, if I, if I have this um, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, 917 save percentage when the Penguins were short-handed. That's very, very good. Um, he, that, mean, that means, again, that he is bailing them out most times on the penalty kill. You know, his you know, high danger save percentage on the penalty kill. Again, among one of the very best in the league. He was the main reason why that unit was having that much success. Um, I think the Penguins next year... Especially on the, you know, for this, they they need to do a lot better at getting in front of the shooting lanes and blocking shots. And you know, I know that's the, that's an old cliche in this board. And you know, I know some people don't like players that you know just they block shots as a living. And that's basically what Chris Russell is known for. You know, everyone wanted to trade for him just a, a few years ago because you know you you need that shot blocking defenseman who's not afraid to you know get himself injured and all that stuff. And and that's not what I'm saying here. But you know. You need to help out your goalie in terms of that. You know, in the in the playoffs against the Rangers, I know Deming was terrible um, shorthanded, but, you know, the Penguins, they weren't doing him any favors. I mean, you know, they're letting stretch passes get through very easily, letting the Rangers get set up very easily. There was no aggressive maneuvering from the Penguins once the Rangers were set up. When the Penguins' PK is actually working, what they run, it's called a wedge plus one. I've talked about this on the show a few times, but for those that are new or have not heard me talk about it, um, what they like to do, they like to have a guy at the top. Um, when it was really going well, Brandon Tannen was there, and he was just you know pestering pestering everyone up there, whether it was the right point, left point, and it was really making the opposition, it was just making it hard on them to actually get clean passes um, to the other players. Last year, the Penguins were not doing that as much, especially in the playoffs. You know, I know, I think Brian Boyle was one of the main guys up there. I think Brock McGinn was at times too. And they're just, they're sitting there, you know, they're five, 10 feet back, just giving the Rangers clear, you know, lanes to shoot at. And it's like, I don't know who came up with that strategy, but that's not, you know, what, what you're supposed to be doing. And then usually in the Penguins' good, you know, scenario here, or just their ideal deployment with that wedge plus one they have the other three guys you know kind of just creating you know almost like a box you know box out the slot um part of the ice so you give your goaltender the best possible you know look at a shot and so also the shots don't come you know 10 15 even 20 feet out you know that the whole point of this structure is so that the goalie gets these low to medium danger shots and the Penguins, they were not doing that nearly in the regular season 
and in the playoffs. The PK was legitimately good in the first half. Shardari was playing really well, but it was legitimately good. And then, you know, once they started to, you know, just allow a lot more shots, um, playing, you know, more passively, you know, it went down because, you know, sometimes, you know, that's what happens when your goalie can't bail you out, you know, on an everyday night basis. And he's seeing a lot more shots from the slot area. He was able to do it at a time, but, you know, sometimes sometimes you get wear, worn down from facing all those kinds of shots. So I want the Penguins, I want them to get back to actually getting into shooting lanes and blocking shots, being more aggressive on the penalty kill, having that player up the top, just causing all that havoc. I think when Tanev left via um, expansion, um, that created a big hole um, for the Peking. I'm not really sure who that player should be this year, um, but you know it's something that I think Volucci is going to have to get right. Um, if I don't see more improvement from the PK this year, you know, would kind of not be, you know, too mad if Mike Volucci was sent packing in that situation. I, I think honestly he's probably going to get a head coaching job really soon anyway. He was a he was a finalist for um, two to three, um, two to three head coaching jobs during this cycle. Um, at least, but you know, it's it's something that I do think needs to be worked on uh, going into connection. And I'm sure Volucci knows. You know how how successful the Rangers were um, in the playoffs against them. That's unacceptable. How uh, successful other teams were down the stretch was not good. I mean, you know, they were top three in the league, you know, for most of the season. But you know, before that home stretch and then the playoffs, um, they just reverted back to last year's norm. Basically, you know, I you know I you know. I, I will say, you know, I, I, I have this saying in terms of this for the, for the Penguin special teams. You know, you can win with a not that good power play and a good penalty kill, but you can't win, you know, with a good power play and a bad penalty kill. It, it, let me know if that makes sense to you all because. You know, my thing is like, yeah, sure, you can score on the main advantage, but if you're just giving it back, like, uh, uh, like, like, then, like, you know, what are you doing? I think at that point. So, yeah, you can be bad on the main advantage and be really good at penalty killing. The Penguins, you know, they can win a lot of games that way. You know, they, they shouldn't be bad on the power play because they have all that talent up front. But, you know, it, it, even if they didn't and they were, you know, maybe just, a team fighting to even get in the playoffs, you can be an average to below average. You can have an average to below average power play and have a really good penalty kill and still be able to make some noise, especially at 5v5. And also, again, of course, if both your special team units are not good, you know, you're, you're really not going to go anywhere at that point. So, you know, in my opinion, I think it's more, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's more important to have a better penalty kill then it is a better power play. I may get hate for that, but you know that's just that's how I felt. Um, it, 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 that's, that's honestly how I've always felt, to be honest with you. So that wraps up this episode for um, today's podcast. Um, I'll be back with another episode for you all on Friday. I'm going to take the day off on Thursday, um, go to the beach and all that stuff. Um, but I'll be back with another one on Friday where we'll talk more things regarding um, your favorite hockey team. So I hope you all have a great rest of your day on Wednesday. Or if you're listening on Thursday, I hope you have a wonderful Thursday and I will talk with you all on Friday.